the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We are uh, hopefully up and running with the phones. Uh, 888-900-3393 if you want to join the conversation. First hour was, uh, it just flew by. Just blew by if you ask me. But then, did you ask? Uh, I, I believe it, it was moving and grooving, mostly because we had uh, Dr. Jorge chiming in and helping us figure out what the heck's going on. He really wants people to be healthy. Now, at the end of the day, Dr. Jorge is a guy who is ultimately committed to his Hippocratic oath of first do no harm. And I love the fact that he's putting himself on the line by putting out there his, his own problems with weight loss. He's not afraid to throw it out there. He, he's absolutely, well, it's kind of brave. I don't know if I could do it. So good for him. Uh, still to come on the show today, uh, we have to get into CNN's um, attachment to the Russia scandal that is really a big nothing burger. We will have to get to, uh, there's another CNN story in there uh, that, that showed uh, just how obsessed CNN and many in in that uh, in that press pool are how many of them are absolutely obsessed with getting their mug on camera and they're whiny about it. And I'm I'm looking at Jim Acosta. I know. I know. I kind of went after him yesterday. Is that fair? Is that unfair? Well, it is what it is. But I think he uh, he went off on Sean Spicer and Sean Spicer fired back a little bit. But yesterday, we also had a nice response to it that history is showing us that CNN, CNN uh, should have paid attention when Bill Clinton was president. And I want to get into this story, this amazing story, I, I think is, uh, it's an embarrassment if it happens. It's an absolute embarrassment if, if what I'm hearing about is going on. And I, I have tried to get a Democratic senator to join me uh, in, in fighting this, in fighting against the move to deport, to deport and get, get rid of legal aliens who come to America and want to serve in our military. The program is called Military Accessions Vital to National Interest, or MAVNI. And this is a, a Department of Defense program that authorized military services to recruit certain legal aliens whose skills or language skills are considered to be vital to national interest. And some of the skills they talk about are doctors, nurses, languages, and certain cultural backgrounds that would be eligible. Now, they're, they're trying to determine how many of these people they would get. And they did a pilot program that will recruit or was set up to recruit 5,200 people in the fiscal year 2016. And they, they have these, these areas of eligibility that they list and they talk about um, their status as a valid 
alien here. Obviously, they gave preference to people that they really need, like doctors and nurses, healthcare professionals, and they have to be able to help out in medical specialties where we have a shortfall. Now, there's apparently a doctor, a doctor shortage everywhere in America. But in the military, you know, it's kind of important. It's, it's important everywhere. But if you're a doctor, you have to specifically meet one of their shortfall areas. You have to, um, you have to be able to be proficient in English. And you have to commit three years of active duty and, or six years of what they call selected reserve duty. That's for healthcare professionals, doctors and or nurses. So there are folks who could be entering the United States military and serve this nation, even though they are not citizens of the country. But, you know, I, I, I think these are the people who should get uh, fast-tracked into citizenship, if you ask me. If you're willing to die for this country, if you are willing to put your life on the line, then you should get um, what they call deferred action. Or uh, I guess we should give you an easy pass to citizenship if you're a member of this uh, MAVNI service. Well, I I got a note from a guy who wrote to me and said, I'm I'm facing deportation. And I said, wait a minute, what? And I don't know his case. I absolutely don't know him. I don't know his case. We share uh, a... We're both alumni from a certain university, from Trinity University in San Antonio. And, and so we have that in common. And he's asking anyone in the alumni pool to please help. Well, sure enough, I started looking into the Mavni thing. And I discovered a, um, this congressperson from New York, from the 6th District of New York. She's a Democrat, Grace Meng. And just today, Grace Meng has sent a, well, it went out late yesterday, has sent a letter to the president requesting that no foreign-born person recruited into our armed forces be deported as a result of any policy change in the DOD. The, the program apparently started in 2009, and uh, it's, it's when they pushed and, and now... Apparently, the Washington Post yesterday had a story that the Pentagon is considering canceling enlistment contracts for 1,000 of these recruits. And if they did so, it would lead to their deportation. One of those recruits, apparently, is the gentleman who wrote me through my Trinity University Alumni Association. But yesterday, Congresswoman Meng wrote to the president and said, I'm writing to request your personal assurance that no foreign-born person recruited into our nation's armed forces will be deported pursuant to the memo discussed at last night's Washington Post article entitled Pentagon Promised Citizenship to Immigrants Who Served. Now it might deport them. Uh, If that's the case, I'm going to be ticked off. If you promise someone citizenship, especially because they have a skill, and then you tell them, well, you know, we, we, we overshot our uh, target and uh, there's a thousand of you. We're going to cancel our deal. No, you live up to your commitment. Apparently, since the program started in 09, 
over 10,000 troops, most of them who served the army and have, have filled into those medical areas and those language specialties, Russian, Chinese, Pashtun, languages that the Pentagon needs for vital military operations, but they don't have enough people to do it. Most of those uh, are now about to see their visas expire while they're waiting for travel orders, which puts them at risk of deportation. These are the kinds of things that government has to get right. We have to be able to, A, live up to our commitments to our military, both in aftercare and in what we're providing them during their service. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, I was trying to get some bipartisan discussion on this. I reached out to Grace Meng's office today, earlier today, and, and said, look, I will make room for you anywhere on the show, anywhere you want. I'll, I'll even try and move Dr. Jorge if I have to. And I got a flat-out denial. I did not get a, uh, hey, can we do it another day? Hey, it's important to us too. Hey, this is a really cool thing. No, I just got up. Not going to be able to do that. Which makes me think it's probably because she's on the left and I'm on the right. So I actually wrote back to the office of Congressman Mang and said, um, you know, if, if there is a problem, if that's, if that's the answer, if the rejection of this offer is over ideology, I think that would be sad. Um, I, and I also explained that Senator Chris Coons has been on this show and we, we couldn't be further apart on politics, but still find room on issues to discuss important issues. I think this Mavni is, is so important, especially when we talk about volunteering to serve this country. So what the hell are you doing, congressperson? And Mr. President, anybody in Congress who's paying attention on this, we need to do the right thing for people who have said, yes, I'll volunteer. Yes, I'll do it. But and especially if we tell them we're going to fast track your citizenship, if we promise them citizenship, how dare we even let them worry about being deported? It doesn't make sense. Michael Palka stepping aside just a few seconds early because I think we're going to get Senator Chris Coons on the phone just around the corner on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I think we're going to get a call from Senator Chris Coons of uh, Delaware. You've heard him on this show before. Senator Coons is uh, somebody who is deep, deep blue. Senator Coons is not a conservative. Senator Coons is a good guy. He's a good dad. He's a friend. He's uh, somebody I don't mind saying that about any time. He's a good guy. And... And we have to be able to have these kinds of conversations, don't we? We have to be able to say, hey, 
you're different than me, and uh, I respect that, but I also want to be able to have a reasonable conversation with you to where we can, we can maybe come to agreement somewhere, somehow, on, on the subjects that, that we talk about all the time. It's, it's important. Uh, you know what? I'm just, my phone just buzzed, so I'm looking. We will have to delay. Okay, so we're going to get Chris Coons probably in the next half hour of the show, which is fine, which is fine. We certainly have a lot to talk about today. Uh, there is uh, news out of the White House today that President Trump has accepted an invitation to go visit French President Emmanuel Macron, the new president of France. He will be there for Bastille Day. So that means uh, like two weeks from Saturday or two weeks from Friday, the president will be there for an official visit. I wonder, I wonder if England has calmed down and we're actually going to see the royal visit that was scheduled earlier. And there were a lot of people who are saying, no, you must disinvite him. We don't like him. Please tell him not to come. Uh, I, I wonder if that'll happen. I'm doubting it. We, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, I also need to get to the story of the White House press office. As you remember, or maybe you missed it, there was a little bit of a kerfuffle. Great word. Love to use kerfuffle. Uh, Kerfuffle in the press room the other day when uh, a reporter was asking, asking Sean Spicer about the cameras and why the cameras weren't there. And um, we had a little bit of a meltdown from one of the pretty faces at CNN. have been a drastic shift starting from maybe the week before the president took his first trip abroad, but now we see you on camera about once a week. Is that a new normal that we would expect? We'll see. We're just, we'll continue to mix things why up. Why are the cameras off, Sean? Try. Why, are they, why did you turn Try. them off? So uh, before I let um, Jim Acosta lose his mind, Sean Spicer's about two seconds into answering this other reporter's question. He's actually trying to answer the question when Spicer, uh, Spicer is interrupted by CNN's Jim Acosta. Obviously a little bit frustrated, but uh, listen to Spicer's response as well as Acosta's ranting. You need to mix things why up. Why the cameras off, Sean? Try. Why, are they, why did you turn Try. them off? Can you just Try. give us an answer to that? Can Try. you tell us why you turned the cameras off? Why are they off, Sean? It's a legitimate question. It's a Try. legitimate question. Try. You are a taxpayer Try. spokesman for Try. the United States government. Can you at least give us an explanation as to why the cameras are off? If you couldn't hear it because he was repeating it over and over again, Sean Spicer said, trite, 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 trite. Trite. Just kept saying trite, which is equally as irritating as what Acosta was saying. Now, Acosta's argument, you are a taxpayer-funded spokesperson for the President of the United States. Accurate? He is? Where in that does it say, we have to put you on camera every day? And this is really not about Sean Spicer and about... Sean Spicer being on camera. This is about Jim Acosta and CNN essentially getting free taxpayer funded programming because that's what this is. And it's also about Acosta getting FaceTime 
And that's the way he makes his living is standing in those meetings, asking a question or two when he gets called on. Now, that's probably at the other end of this. He hasn't been called on for a while, so he's got his drawers in a bunch. And he's going he's gonna to try and keep asking, why are the cameras turned off? Why aren't the cameras on? Why can't we have cameras in here? Well, if anybody just would have gone back in time a little bit, if anybody would have done their homework, they could have gone back to the Clinton era when D.D. Myers was on C-SPAN talking about this very subject because the Clintons were the one who started it by having the live camera feeds from the press conferences, the daily press briefings, but it didn't even last as long as the Trump administrations did. Well, I think that that was something that we did in the first week or two. I can't remember exactly when we stopped it, um, but it was done. It was a new administration. I think we wanted to talk about what was going on here. Uh, I think we found that it wasn't really necessary. Um, the briefing is more uh, an opportunity to exchange ideas and to have a conversation about what's happening. Um, that wasn't really happening in a way that as productively as we'd hoped. So uh, what we do now is televise the first five minutes of George Stephanopoulos' briefings at 12.30 every day. Um, and the rest of it's on the record, but just not for cameras. Just on the record, just not for cameras. They didn't feel like they were getting it done. They, they didn't feel like they were getting their agenda serviced by having cameras. So why is it okay under the Clinton administration but it is the, the mortal sin against the fourth estate under the Trump administration. It really seems to be duplicitous here. And no shock. No shock when that happens. Now, are, are we wrong? I, I think it's a little, bit of, um, a little bit of the Trump group kind of jerking the chain on the media, right? They're kind of having having a little bit of fun, having too much fun, making the mainstream media suffer on this one. And that's always going to happen. You're always going to see that kind of stuff go on. So uh, I, I actually think it's uh, a little bit of fun trolling by the Trump organization. We'll follow this. But how beautiful that it was one of the liberal media's own who tried it and decided it didn't fit their agenda so they stopped. They just decided we, do, we can't do this anymore. Just a beautiful thing. When we get back, I, I hope we will have uh, Senator Chris Cruz. Or Senator Chris Cruz. He, doesn't he work on the morning blaze? God, I hope that never happens. Senator Chris Cruz. Senator Chris Coons from Delaware <laughs> joining us. Plus, we also have to get to the story about Leslie Jones uh, we'll have crazy stories from our friend Angie Austin. And uh, I, did, I did just post a vital poll question of the day. And if you want to answer it, I'd love to get your responses. Should the people who volunteer to serve this nation, who are immigrants, should they get that citizenship expedited? Answer it and then come on back and we'll talk to... Uh, Senator Coons, next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. The uh, poll is up about uh, the people, the legal immigrants to this country here legally, legal aliens, I guess I should say, people who are here legally and are recruited into the military. Should they be given a fast track to citizenship? That's a, a question that's out there because a guy wrote to me asking me to look into the situation. He's apparently concerned he's facing deportation after he was recruited by the military for these specific skills. It's, uh, it's kind of a disturbing concept because I think it makes sense. Uh, also, we're waiting on a call from Senator Chris Coons of Delaware. We wanted to talk health care with Senator Coons. But Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders is in the news. We talked the other day about the fact that the Monday, Sunday talk shows did not address Bernie Sanders and his wife under investigation by the FBI for bank fraud. Well, Bernie was on with Aaron Burnett on CNN last night. And uh, it's easier to talk about Bernie Sanders and his wife under investigation for bank fraud than it is to talk about Russia when everybody knows that there's really nothing there. So this is what happened when Aaron Burnett tried to corner Bernie. He really doesn't answer the question about the bank fraud. Say a word on that, you know. Yeah, well, I I just want to ask you, do you know she's under FBI investigation? Excuse me. My wife is about the most honest person I know. Mm -hmm. When she came to that college, it was failing financially and academically. When she left it, it was in better shape than it ever been. His wife got a giant salary to be there, and she hired her daughter and paid her a whole bunch of money to teach woodworking classes. Woodworking classes, Boiny. Are you trying to get everybody in your family into the Millionaires and Billionaires Club? Is that what you're doing? I'll let him continue not answering. Five years later, just at the moment, coincidentally, no doubt, when I'm a candidate for president of the United States, Donald Trump's campaign manager, a co-vice chairman of the Republican Party in Vermont, launched this uh, investigation. So all that I will tell you now, Aaron, it is a sad state of affairs in America not only when we have, you know, politicians being destroyed, public, when there are attacks against elected officials, when you go after your wife, people's wives. When you is- go after people's wives and they've been taking gigantic salaries and hiring their kids at big salaries to teach woodworking classes. And behind them, after all the dust clears, is financial ruin and a really bad deal. Sorry, Bernie. Can't have it both ways, pal. It just can't work out that way. Huh. Oh, boy. Well, we'll see. Oh, ooh, joining us on the phone from uh, Washington, D.C., Senator Chris Coons of the state of Delaware, a guy who represents me, although I don't agree with a lot of things that he says, but uh, a decent guy and uh, a very interesting week in the state of Delaware uh, and in Washington, D.C. What's going on in the district, sir? Uh, it's another interesting week uh, here in Washington, D.C. That's what my dad used to say when he didn't like something and didn't want to be rude. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yesterday, no surprise, this audience uh, voted 
that the uh, GOP version of the health care bill, the Senate bill, would not pass. We we figured it out on Monday. I, I want to know what took <laughs> what took McConnell and company till till yesterday afternoon to figure that out. Well, I, you know, I think it was a combination of the process and the substance. Um, many Republican senators hadn't seen any of the details of the bill and weren't involved in drafting the bill. Um, so until it was released at the end of last week, um, they weren't sure exactly what was in it. Um, they read it over the weekend, and then they got the CBO score, uh, which tells you how many people will be affected, uh, how much it will cost or save. And uh, those initial numbers were really not good at all for them. Yeah. And it, yeah, it forced but- a lot of folks to reconsider. You know, there's a basic tension here, Mike, between um, folks who think the whole point of repealing the Affordable Care Act was to roll back access to health care uh, and folks who believed President Trump's promises that they were going to get better health care at lower cost. Those two are sort of in a, in a conflict. The whole goal of the Affordable Care Act was to expand access to health care. Um, so if your goal really is to accomplish what President Trump was talking about, which is better quality health care at lower cost, um, then the way to do that would be to sit down with Democrats and collectively come up with a way to fix the problems with Obamacare. Um, and there are some. We don't have enough competition. Uh, the prices have gone up too quickly. Um, but it has achieved its goals of expanding coverage. Well, um, uh, okay, so There's I, basically can... two competing groups within the Republican Party, yeah, I... one that really want to roll it back and another that wants to keep some of its benefits. Senator, I see, I see that two competing groups. But yesterday, the White House put out something that if it's not statistically correct, we should say Bravo Sierra on this one. And that was the statement that the CBO, when Obamacare was signed into law, when the Affordable Care Act was signed into law, the CBO said by 2017, we're going to be covering 23 million more people. And now we are in 2017 and there were only 10.3 million people covered by Obamacare through those exchanges. So the CBO doesn't exactly have the greatest history of predicting. And yes, there are warring factions in here, but I think we have to either be honest about it or, or just stop this charade altogether. I, personally, I don't want the government involved in my health care at all. That's my libertarian heart speaking. I know we have seniors and, and, and uh, people who need health care. In my view, the start of life and the end of life are high-risk pools. Why don't we create high-risk pools for the start of life, the first three years, and the end of life from 75 out? And we'll pay for that with taxes, but leave the rest of us to to what we had, a free market basis. What's wrong with thinking like that? Well, Mike, you know, there are folks who would support and embrace that. Um, the challenge is, you know, when you start drawing the lines and say before three and after 75, um, you'll have tens of thousands of Delawareans who um, end up having an injury, an accident, a deadly illness um, between age 3 and 75 um, and don't have health insurance through their employer or don't have access to health insurance. So we've got tens of thousands of Delawareans who rely on Medicaid and Medicare, um, but the fight here is mostly about the Medicaid expansion. Um, I think the difference between those two numbers with CBO was how many million Americans got health care access through the exchanges versus how many million got access through the Medicaid expansion. Um, but, I, you know, that's just my comment back on the, the gap between 10 versus 23 million. The, the larger point, the values point here, Mike, um, is that 
when I'm trying to figure out a very complex issue like affordability and access to quality health care, I look at the folks who I count on to care for me and my family and who represent people who care for our state and our country. Um, I've had visits with or conversations with the American Nursing Association, the American Medical Association, the American Hospital Association, and the AARP. Um, these days, <laughs> I'll add that I'm a member of the AARP. Um, they advocate for our seniors um, and the nurses and the doctors and the hospitals. They care for us when we're sick. All four of those organizations are opposed to this health care bill um, because of the impact on access to quality health care that would result. It would be a big tax cut for the wealthiest Americans. Um, it would roll back a lot of the Medicaid expansion, um, and it would give states the choice whether to waive essential health benefits, um, which means for many states, things like uh, guaranteed coverage, even with pre-existing condition or lifetime caps, uh, would likely go away. Well, um, li- li- you can say likely, but you know all these hypotheticals get into, and this is why I don't want government involved in my health care, because you can twist statistics to match any narrative you want to write. And I, I'm, I'm really an advocate for just repeal the whole thing and then solve the uninsured problem. That's, that's, I want my health care back. I lost my doctor. My primary care physician retired because he couldn't deal with all of the crap that was handed to him from Obamacare. And I'm still, I'm still ticked off about it, Senator. I, I don't want government doing to my health care what they've done to Amtrak. And that's become a giant suck hole for money, my money. And it's, it's becoming that. And neither side can get it right. So that tells me nobody in government has the answer. And, and that's, I, I have a wish of not having it. I'd like to go back to 2007, but I can't. I'm sorry. I've got like a, a minute. I don't want to cut you off. We lost time today. But um, okay. I, really, I really would love to have more time if you get time, if we can work it out. And I'd love for you to look at uh, the Mavni program. I sent uh, I sent Brian a note. If you okay. could, that would be wonderful. And maybe we could talk about that in the future. I, I will get some time back on um, within the next week. Um, forgive me. I've got to get my daughter to camp. And I'm <laughs> I understand. looking forward to a long and full day here in Washington as we try and sort out the path forward. Thank you. Thank you for hearing me out as well, sir. Anytime. Thank you, Mike. And there he goes, uh, taking his daughter to camp. In Washington, D.C., Senator Chris Coons. See, a lot of you, I've gotten a lot of you writing me and saying, you're too soft on Chris Coons. You give him, you like him too much. Do you think I was too soft on him there? Do you think I gave him uh, too much wiggle room in that segment? Then you need to go back and listen to that again. I, I was a little nervous that I'd gone a little too over the edge. And I might get a call from his press rep going, how dare you yell at the senator? I know he gets yelled at all the time, but at least I was polite. Stepping aside for a break, when we get back, we'll we'll either get into this uh, CNN producer thing or uh, some of the crazy stuff that happened on the New York City subway in the last week. Next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I, uh, I didn't get into it yesterday, and maybe we should today. Uh, the discussion of John McEnroe and what he said about Serena Williams and how her skills would match up against male tennis players. Maybe we'll do that in a little bit. I'm, I'm noticing uh, one of the things I, I don't miss about New York City is um, some of the mess that goes on underground in the subways. I ride the subways whenever I'm in New York. It's the fastest, cheapest way to get around. If you figure it out, it's not that tough to figure out, actually. Um, it, it's a great way to go. But because, and I'm blaming progressives, because the Democrats have been running the city for so long, and this de Blasio character just doesn't take care of anything, and they let the unions run roughshod over everything, and nobody's fixing anything. They've got trains that are a mess everywhere. You had a train that stopped, and, and it was, uh, there was a, a fire and all kinds of craziness. And then earlier in the week, we had a model who was sitting on the, the six train, which I used to ride all the time. Um, and she saw the woman across from her with a raccoon on her lap. And the raccoon is a, a pet, apparently. Not legal in New York City. Thank you very much. It's illegal to have a raccoon as a pet. I keep wondering, how did the pet get on the train? How did the pet raccoon get on the train? Well, as the raccoon's sitting on the woman's lap on the six train headed uptown, um, the woman pulls a little bowl out of her bag, and the bowl has kibble in it. And I guess it's uh, Purina raccoon chow. Who knows what the hell it was? I thought raccoon chow would just be a little bitty garbage bag because that's what the raccoons here in the, in the woods of Delaware like. They like to go into the trash cans. And uh, but but no, she's got a little bowl of kibble and the raccoon is eating the kibble in the video. Uh, most of it is just silent video, so I can't play it for you and a lot of news reports on it. And I, I'm just thinking, what are you doing? Most raccoons that I know of, well, they seem to be rabies carriers. So kind of a dumb move, but nobody seemed to freak out on it. Now, however, a few days earlier uh, on the E train in New York, another train I used to ride all the time. A teeny tiny mouse was on the train, not a rat, but a mouse. And nobody seems to be freaked out except two women who are actually standing on the seats on the subway uh, screaming because there's a mouse. The mouse is not attacking them. The mouse is not even running near them. The mouse is just in the car as it's going from station to station. You would think somebody had let loose with a gun or a flamethrower as this woman is standing on top of the the plastic seat on the subway. I will tweet out a link to this one because you got to see this one. Teeny tiny little bitty mouse, about three inches of mouse. Come on, people. I do miss that part of New York, the crazy. I don't miss the stuck in the subway tube for hours on a hot summer day. 
or the lovely urine-scented sidewalks in the summer because no one's arrested for doing that anymore. But the stupid people and the crazy people, maybe once a month it's worth a visit. Michael Pelka and Puro Pelka, next hour we're going to talk about CNN and the crazy obsession with Russia. Come on back. Opelka. With Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.